0: guess that means we're starting. The music faded out. (laughs) Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we all doing today? Who's a morning person? Who's not? It's okay. You know, the Lord helps me. Um, That's what I say. Uh, I'm a musician that likes to stay up late and then sleep in late, but ever since i started doing ministry you know he he really helps me my wife will tell you that um, i've had my moments getting up in the morning and now my youngest daughter is the same way so you know when you deal with it and then you have kids they have a way of doing the same thing you know that you did and so sometimes we can't get her out of bed so that's fun but uh no it's great to be here this morning I want to go ahead and dive in. I know that uh, we got a few people that have to slip out early. That's no problem. Um, I feel like, you know, what we have to do today, there's a lot of material here. There's a lot of stuff that you can take with you, whether you can stay the whole time or you have to leave early. Um, Just soak it up, you know, just get what you can. And uh, I want to open in prayer, and then we're going to dive into... This handout that you all got. Everyone get the handout? Yep. I know my wife is standing there, so she usually covers it. And uh, we were trying to get pens. We were scrounging around for pens. I forgot about it. We had all these this paper, and I'm like, oh, wait, what if they don't bring a pen or a pencil? So hopefully everyone's got a pen, too. But let's pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Father, we thank you for this day. God, it's the day that you've made, and we're going to rejoice in it. We're going to be glad in it. We're going to celebrate who you are, God, and what you do. And I pray, Lord, even in these practical sessions, when we get practical and we just talk about um, just practical things we can do, Lord, I pray that you would speak in the midst of it. I pray that you'd be here, God, that your presence would be sensed, that your presence would be felt God, even as we're talking about these very practical concepts, and we pray, Lord, that you would uh, just continue to move each one of us forward in our role and our responsibility as worshipers, as worship team members, as worship leaders. We thank you for it. We ask that you'd have your way in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. By the way, my voice, um, this is my morning voice. So it's usually low like this. When I go into practice um, on Sunday morning where they're like, is everything okay? Are you all right? And I'm like, "Yeah, it's just my morning voice. Usually when I sang the night before, you know, I, I kind of start down here because I don't want to push it. Um, but then as we go through the morning, it'll, you know, they'll get a little bit stronger. But, um, okay, so let's talk about a few things. And. I'm going to talk about some roadblocks, roadblocks to effective worship. Okay, and then there's actually another segment, roadblocks to effective rehearsal, which we'll do a little later. Now, my plan is to kind of divide this up a little bit this morning so I'm not just up here talking for three hours um, because I think you'll get tired of that. Uh, So what I want to do is I want to open up with we'll kind of go through a little bit of the first part of page one, okay, and you don't see, you see a lot of blanks there, so um, I'm a blanks person, I love this because it keeps you kind of engaged, you're listening for the word that you have to write down, right, and um, if you miss the word, don't hesitate to raise your hand and say, hey, what was this word, because I know what that's like, Um, I'm the kind of person that I like to fill in every single blank, who's like that? Some of you don't care. You're like, eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, I, and my youngest daughter, again, is this way. See, she's like me. She sleeps in, and she has to do everything, you know, like fill in every little blank. It's funny. But so we're going to go through this. I'm going to try to really emphasize when you're supposed to write a word in. But if you can't get it or if I overlook it or I do something like that, just raise your hand and say, hey, what was that? I want you to get all the information, okay? But um, we're going to hit, let's hit roadblock one, and that'll kind of get us into this, and then I'm actually going to have the Lincoln team come up to the platform and demonstrate something, and you know what? We're going to just support them, because they haven't had any rehearsal with this, really, right? You know, you're just diving in, so... Uh, I'm just telling you right now, we're not looking for the perfect, you know, rendition of a song. We're not looking for the perfect rehearsal. Um, But I think it's good sometimes. I can talk and I can share these concepts like this. But it's good for somebody to go up and just to apply some things, right? Uh, we, We say in our school all the time, knowledge is great. Information is great. I can give you information, but until I see you apply it, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can implement anything until you take that information and you apply it effectively, right? And so we'll do that a little bit. Um, We'll do one of those segments early on, and then maybe after our break, um, I'll bring them up again, and we'll do something different, okay? Okay. So let's dive into this. I want to talk about roadblocks to effective worship just in general. Roadblock number one is little preparation, little preparation. Um, there's some issues that I think come up, and it doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter how organized of a person you are, how organized the ministry is, everyone falls into these issues that I'm going to bring up right here. Let me say this too. So you have like the main roadblock and then you have those bullet points underneath, which are like the subpoints. Then you got some lines under each of those. And that's just for you to write little notes if you want. Now again, you don't have to do that. Some people are like, no, I'd rather not do that. That's fine if you just want to listen. But if I say something where I'm talking about issue number one you know, and you want to just write some notes in there, that's fine too, okay? So that's kind of what we, the way we set it up. But the first issue is spiritual, spiritual issues. I'm talking about little preparation. Spiritual issues can be a roadblock. Uh, I'm talking about limited prayer, limited worship. Um, I'm talking about not setting aside enough time before the service to prepare spiritually, okay? This is a big thing because a lot of times we focus and fixate. And if you're a musician, especially, you, you might be wired this way where it's like, I'm just gonna dive into the music and I gotta, gotta get all the music right, but we overlook the important preparation of, I gotta prepare my spirit because this is a spiritual thing that we're engaged in, right? Um, interesting thing happens. A couple things can happen if we uh, have not prepared spiritually. The first thing is that it becomes a time for me, the, the service itself becomes a time for me to break through. When that should have happened earlier, that should have happened during the week, that should have happened in my personal prayer time, my personal worship time. Because if I'm waiting for Sunday morning to break through, quote unquote, myself, then I'm going to have a hard time really ministering effectively that will allow them to break through. okay? because I'm caught up in, okay, I didn't really prepare enough this week. And so this is becoming my personal worship time. I would say when we come into a corporate experience, that's not just your personal worship time. It's not your personal worship time as a leader. That's your time actually to give, to give out from what God has put in you during your personal worship times throughout the week, okay? And so um, it's not really the the time for us to, to try to break through ourselves. The other thing is we can just feel anxious. We can feel anxious in our spirit. It's like if we haven't prepared spiritually um, there's this sense that that we're not ready. We're not ready to really go in, and um, and and be in tune. I'll say it that way. We're not necessarily in tune with what God is wanting to do. But if we do prepare spiritually, we're we're in a better position, right? We're we're in a better position to be in tune with where He wants to go and what He wants to do. And I'm actually going to be teaching. A little bit about that tonight, um, yielding to the flow of his river. It's hard to do that if you've not prepared adequately spiritually, right? Okay. So spiritual issues, that was the first one. The second one is musical issues. And uh, I'm going to bring the team up in just a minute, but let me unpack this first. So musical issues can be, um, they can produce an interesting dynamic. Uh, we can do all of the spiritual preparation, but if we've not done the musical preparation, um, it still can be ineffective, right? Uh, it's, it's kind of like a two-sided coin. Both are needed. The spiritual is needed and the musical preparation is needed, okay? If you don't work on both, then you're really not preparing yourself adequately. Um, what kind of musical issues? Well... Uh, Last minute worship sets. Um, Now, I know that there are times and occasions where you don't have a whole lot of lead time. I'll say it this way to put your set together. But one of the things I would suggest to any team is to have a set that you could pull out fairly quickly without a lot of lead time. Um, Or have some songs kind of in your back pocket that I'll just say it that way where, you know, if if let's say the pastor in the middle of the message says, hey, um, we're going to have a worship time at the end. Have you ever been in this situation and you didn't know this? And they're like, yeah, we're going to have a worship time in the end and we're going to go for a little while. We're going to go for 20 minutes, 25 minutes or whatever. And you're like, oh, we didn't really prepare, you know, 20 or 25 minutes. Well, it's always good just to have kind of some songs in your bank that you could pull out and pull from. Um, I have, I created something called an Alter flow list. And it's just, it's a bunch of songs on one sheet of paper. It's the numbers. The, it's, so it's not um, a certain key, but it's number charts. If you're familiar with that, you may or may not be. But like, you know, this song uses the one chord and the four chord and the five chord and the six chord and whatever. And so I have that all tooled out on a sheet of paper. And so my team has that altar flow list. And I can just point them to that and say, hey, just be ready for any of the songs on this flow list. Uh, That's something that we may utilize without a lot of lead time. Okay? That makes sense? Um. That being said, uh, if we have the time to prepare, we should prepare. <laughs> if we have the time to put a set list together, that's a good thing. Um, it is not unspiritual to prepare. It's not unspiritual to ahead of time discern and determine some songs for a meeting. Um The Holy Spirit knows what's going to happen two weeks from now. He knows that. He doesn't have to wait until the night before to download to us what he wants to do. Um, And, you know, I just take this posture in my prayer time, going back to spiritual preparation. When I'm praying um, about ministry in a place, when I prayed about the ministry here, it's like, Lord, what? are the songs on your heart for these meetings. Simple as that. That's that's generally my prayer. What are the songs on your heart for these meetings? Now, that could be a lot of different things, but what will begin to happen is he will impress certain songs on my heart and then around those songs I build a set. Okay? So I'm just saying that we can prepare A lot of the time, we can prepare our sets ahead of time. Okay, what's another musical issue? Um, Under-rehearsed or under-practiced team. Now, I'm going to talk about rehearsals later, um, but your personal practice is not the same as our team rehearsal. You understand that? Those are two different things. Personal practice, team rehearsal. The team rehearsal is not the time for all of us to come together and personally practice a song that we've never heard in our life. The personal practice is where you need to, you know, learn your part, vocally, instrumentally. You do that on your own. You do that throughout the week. And then when we come together for a team rehearsal, we all at least have a context We all have kind of worked on this on our own to an extent, and then it's easier to pull it together as a group, as a team, okay? But but under-practicing, not practicing enough individually will create musical issues, right? Okay, here's the other thing, and this is going to segue perfectly into the team coming up and demonstrating something. Overplaying... Or underplaying, overplaying or underplaying. That's another musical issue. Um, We have to find the right balance, okay? This thing called music, the beauty of music, is that there is a sense of rise and fall. There's ebb and flow. Um, Not everyone has to be doing everything all the time. But on the other hand, if the right things don't come through the texture at the right time, it may affect the overall product, right? And so overplaying versus underplaying. So here's what I want to do. I want to have the team come up, so the Lincoln team. And again, um, we love you guys. We support you. And no matter what happens, you are called and chosen of the Lord. (laughs) Um, And so, Pastor Darren, I've asked Pastor Darren to kind of um, facilitate this a little bit. But I'm going to give instruction to the team. I'm going to let them kind of get set up. And uh, what we're going to do is they're going to do just one song. Why don't you guys do Freedom, okay? Did he tell you, did he at least tell you what the song was that you're going to do? You guys know that? Oh, yeah, he wants the singers to come up a little bit too. Yeah, I think so. And uh, because you're going to see why in a minute. <laughs> so I'll let you guys just make sure everything's on, make sure you can hear, whatever. Yeah, just, just do a little bit of that. That's okay. We all have to do that in our rehearsals, so. All right. Okay. Singers, are you good? Are you unmuted? Yep. Faith? Uh,
1: yes. Yes, I am.
0: Kind of, sort of. Okay. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Um, you guys have done this song. It's freedom, right? Um, it's it's Jesus Culture Freedom. Um, and so I'm going to have you just run the song for a little bit. I mean, not the whole song, but enough of the song to demonstrate the following. I want you, now vocals is a little different because you don't sing the whole time. There's these instrumental interludes. But whenever you're singing, I want you to just blast it at full volume. No holding back. I want you to sing as loud as possible, okay? Every time you sing, I want you to sing as loud as possible. Band, same thing. Every time you play, I want you to play as loud as you possibly can and as obnoxiously, as loud and obnoxious as possible, okay? And um, if, now I know that it's really hard, it's really hard for musical people to intentionally play and sing badly. But if you can do that, I want you to do that, okay? Um, So in other words... Do, do what maybe you, you don't want to normally do, okay? So we're just going to let this be an experiment, and the rest of us are just going to, yeah, yeah, vocals, just make up your own part. Just have it be totally <laughs> off. It's fine. Okay? Totally off. But, but the idea is, the main thing I'm looking for, um, you can make it bad if you want, but the main thing I'm looking for is just full volume all the time. Guitars, you know, full volume. Drive, drive, drive. Never stop, Okay? And so we'll go for we'll go as long as we can tolerate.
2: Okay? All right. All right. We'll
0: go a little bit and then we'll talk about it. All right. However you want to do it. jump in and sing a little bit. Um, okay. So how was that? How was that? Beautiful. Yeah. Um, good job, you guys. Good job. Um, some people would say, oh, that wasn't that bad. Okay. Yes. But but here's the thing. Um, here's the thing that I've learned. I've learned a few things with overplaying and underplaying. The first thing I've learned is that Um, most people overplay most people overplay unless you're real timid um, and self-conscious you know there's some of that sometimes but what i've noticed especially like i'm just going i'm going back to like my youth worship days okay um the youth worship band was notorious for just overplaying everything like They're so excited to just be up there and, yes, this is my moment. I get to just, you know, jam on my guitar, and it's just like a wall of sound. That's what I call it, a wall of sound the whole time. It's just constant. There's no fall. It's just all, uh, 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 uh. Um, So we tend to overplay. The other thing is doing what just happened there doesn't allow the music to breathe. That's the way I would say it. It doesn't allow the music to breathe. And part of music is the breathing moments. Um, There's just the rests. If you know anything about actual music, reading music, the rests are as important as the notes. Why is that? Because it needs to breathe. And so even out here, you know, in a worship time when we're worshiping and it's just all like that the whole time and there's never any ebb and flow, rise and fall. Um, what will happen is it's it's like a it's an aerobic workout for the church and they never get a chance to just go. <gasps> <sighs> See what I'm saying? Because it's just like, go, 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 push, 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 push up, 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 up here, and there's never a moment to just sit a little bit and even maybe reflect a little bit. Um, You know that even the Psalms have what? They have those Selah moments, Selah moments, because when the psalmist has poured his heart out, you know, for all of these lines and paragraphs and whatever, now there's just a moment where I just need to sit And I need to reflect a little bit. Now, a praise song like that, it's not going to be super reflective. But it does come down at one point, right? Before they go into, um, run into wide open spaces or whatever it is. Dance like the weight has been lifted. It kind of came down before they go into that bridge and then they build back up. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Okay, so now what I want to do is... I want to try to do it with a little bit of rise and fall layering, okay? Uh, I wrote some stuff down because I listened again to this song last night, and what I heard, keeping in mind that we don't have to do it exactly like the original recording, but it is helpful, I think, to hear what they did and learn from it, meaning that, oh, Maybe that was intentional. Maybe dropping down at that point was really intentional because it allowed us then to build back up to something. Um, let me say that too. We, If it's always strong like this, it doesn't give a chance to breathe. Um, but if it's always down here like this, because that's another thing you encounter, it doesn't really allow the people... Um, to release their cry to the Lord. Um, it, it creates a self-conscious situation. And I've been in a lot of ministries where, like, yeah, we don't we we keep our music turned way down. We don't turn it up and I say, well, you, you gotta find the right balance there because if it's not loud enough, the people out here don't feel surrounded by the sound. They won't sing because it they'll they'll feel self conscious, they'll feel like they're gonna stick out like the sore thumb. So there needs to be enough volume, and there needs to be enough of those rise moments where we can really release our built-in cry, you know? Um, However, if it's always like that, then it has the other effect that I talked about, okay? So let's do it again. Um, Here's a couple suggestions. They kind of, they do that introduction, or whatever, you know, you can just play the chords or whatever you want to do. But it kind of starts a little small, and then, like, the next one, there's a little bit more. So even that introduction, there's a little build into um, the first thing. But then what happens when you go into the verse? It comes down in intensity musically because you have to hear, And step out of the shadow, which isn't very high, and that's not going to stick through the texture. If it's buried with all that loud music, and that's exactly what happened. We couldn't hear you at all when you started singing because that's low and the instruments were much louder, okay? So the instruments coming down for that opening verse pre-chorus will allow those vocals to come through the texture. Um, And then the chorus, like the first chorus they did in the original actually wasn't real strong yet. They're just still kind of ramping up. They're building up to something, and then they go, they do a turnaround or an interlude or whatever you'd call it, which is the same chords as the intro, right, and that's where it actually starts building. It um, seems like it builds up there. Go go into another verse in pre-chorus like you guys did. It falls down again, but not as much, and a lot of times you'll encounter that where, you know... Um, Whenever they do another verse, like they did an opening verse, it was pretty low. The next verse, it's pretty low again, but there's a little bit more going on. Why? Because we're not at the very beginning. We've come someplace in our journey, and so, um, you know, it's, it's kind of appropriate to have a little bit more going on in the texture. And that just goes into, you know, the full chorus, like, that next chorus you do, it's like full drive. It's just all, you know, everything's in there. And then, like I said, it's it seems like it drops down again going into the dance like the weight has been lifted. Is that the words? The bridge. Grace is waiting for you. Chains. Chains. Thank you. That's it. Chains will fall. Yeah. So, yep. Um, so... That's where it kind of drops down and it allows you then to build these bridges. And a lot of times these days with our songs, things have changed a little bit over the years. But, but what used to be a bridge, a true bridge, a true bridge, you wouldn't sing over and over again usually in songs. It would literally just be a little piece that was different from everything else that bridged you from wherever you are back to the final chorus but our bridges today with a lot of our songs is just that different piece, but it's over and over and over and over and over. And if you just do it over and over and over the same way, it can get monotonous. So what do we do with it? We build. You know, Think of yourself like climbing a mountain, and you're down here on bridge one and then bridge two and bridge three and bridge four. You've, you've risen to a final high point. Um, Vocally, you can layer. You can just start unison. One person could sing. Give me the key again. Chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. Then everyone could sing unison. Chains will fall. Shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus. This is the third bridge we could add a harmony in.
2: Chains will fall, prison, shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name.
0: Yeah. And Sometimes you'll do a fourth bridge, and if you do a fourth bridge, you can keep it just like the third. Like the third and the fourth can be the fuller ones where there was the harmony in there. Or you could do one harmony on the third one and then put the other harmony in on the fourth one. So you can do stuff like that. So that vocally can bring a sense of build. Instrumentally, it's all about, you know, listen to what's happening textually in the music. Um, I guarantee you that patterns are changing up. As you're moving from bridge one to two to three to four. And activity is increasing. There's something happening that's bringing more drive as you move through that. Okay? And then, um, well, then they go into that. And that's like super driven and it's all like accented. And I don't know if you guys do it that way. And you don't have to do it that way. But the idea is that we've come up to that built moment. And then it can go right into a strong chorus again, okay? So, all right. I know we're not going to remember everything I just said, but let's do this. Um, let's have you guys do the song again. But this time, um, just implement some of those things. Just think through the, the builds, the falling off, uh, the ebb and the flow as we're moving part to part. Okay? Sound good? All right. Go for it. Yeah. One thing, so...
2: Thank you.
1: hello good morning hello It's a great At the sound of Jesus' name, lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound.
0: give those guys a hand for stepping up there and doing that pretty impromptu. Good job team. You can go ahead and come down and uh, I want to talk through a little bit more but um, you all can see what I'm saying right? If nothing else and I think um, you know we can we can dial it in even further and uh, we may do some things later with that same song and then the other one that you've got Um to just some different things that we haven't talked about yet. But I think, you know, mix-wise, I'd probably have to bring that lead vocal up. That's a tricky song because it's got such a big range, and she starts, like, down in the basement. It's like tenor. Um, Feels real good to me. Step out of the shadows. But it's, it's low for most ladies, and... You know, if it's not in your, that's the other thing, if it's not in your vocal sweet spot and you're having to really dig or you're having to really reach, it doesn't have the same effect as when it's like right there in your sweet spot, okay? So we have to anticipate that and then we have to mix for that and so I'd have to, I'd bring you up in the texture a little bit. Even though the band came down, I still really want to hear, step out of the shadows. And this is a side point, but... Um I think my pet peeve is when I can't hear the singers at all. <laughs> because the lyrics are what I need to hear. Like that's that's the truth that's being declared. And a lot of times, you know, you'll you'll go into situations and you, you barely hear one singer. You barely hear that lead vocal. And so we want to mix to where the vocals come through the texture enough um that the message can be heard. Amen? So, okay. So we've spent a little bit of time on that. Um, that's roadblock number one. Again, it was little preparation, subpoints. There's spiritual issues or there's musical issues. Okay? Uh, let's keep going through this, and I'm going to watch the time. Around ten fifteen or so, we'll take a little break. But um, let's try to get through the rest of these roadblocks. So roadblock number two, these are worship roadblocks. Poor song selection. Poor song selection. Um, Let me make this comment. There are a lot of songs. We don't have a shortage of songs to choose from, so let's choose wisely. Let's choose wisely. Um, Is the song theologically correct? Let's talk about that. What's theologically theology, what we believe about God, who he is and what he does. Is it accurate? Uh, A lot of times we have songs that sound real great. But then when you dig a little deeper, it's like, "Mm, I don't know if that theology is real solid. Okay, well, then don't sing that song. We have about 15 other songs like it that probably have a better theology. Okay, Um, another thing. And actually, uh, I need to give you guys the sub point. So poor song selection. The first one is criteria for, I probably messed some of you up. I'm sorry. Criteria for congregational worship, criteria for congregational worship. That first blanks a little longer because congregational is a long word. Congregational worship. Is it theologically correct? Okay. This is just under this whole area. Um, we need to make sure that it's not over-complicated musically. Uh, here, here's, here's my experience with this. Musicians love to be challenged, but everyone else gets scared. <laughs> the people out here in the seats, if, if your song is so complicated that they can't... Remember, these average person's not musical in that sense out here. If they can't, like, get a hold of the the melody or they they can't even clap, the the rhythm's really weird and they they can't find it, they'll just watch. They'll just stand there and watch you. And it's not that that can't happen some of the time, but we definitely don't want that to happen most of the time. Corporate worship, they need to be engaged. The primary purpose is not to wow these people with our complex music, the primary purpose is to get them to engage in the, the, the experience, right? So make sure it's not overly complicated. And you know, if you have a song that, that's a little bit, I, I call it, uses a little bit of artistry, it's a little bit more complex, you can find a different place to put that song than right into your worship set. You can do that as I call them standalone songs. Maybe you can talk to your pastor about, hey, we've got this song. It's just got a dynamic message, and we know it's not like worship, but it's more like presentational, but it would make an impact. Is there a spot that we could put this song? Maybe it's a special service. Maybe it's Christmas or Easter, and you do something that's a standalone that's not just part of the regular worship set. And see, then you don't expect the people to have to engage with it in, by way of singing themselves, you know. Um, but don't try to do that stuff in the thick of your worship time where the average person's just going to stand there. And they're not going to do it because it's too complicated, okay. Um, is it singable, in a singable range? This is all under criteria for congregational worship. Um, we've pushed the envelope with this a bit these days. They used to say, <laughs> put your songs... From C to Shining C. Anybody ever heard of that? So from low C to high C, that's kind of where you sat the the melody. But these days, we we push it below that. I mean, step out of the shadow. That went down to a G below the C. And we go way up to an E or an F above the high C a lot of times. And um, that's okay. But if we live there... And I say it like that. If we live there, they'll stop singing too. They they won't know what to do. They they can't they can't hit those notes. And so it's important that you'll notice that song that we just did. You know the main part of the song, the chorus. It sat right there in that sweet spot um, where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Da, 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 da. That's that that's that singable range for most people. Men down here, ladies up up there. Um, But other parts of that song dip a little low. And then there's other songs where they go a little high. And you just need to make sure that the the bulk of the song sits in a place where people can sing. Okay. Um, Is it memorable? Um, You'll know that that it's a good song if they're humming that song Monday that we did on Sunday. But if they can't remember a single part of the song <laughs> that you did and you've done it, I'm not, I'm not talking like the first time, you've done it like several times and they still can't remember any element of that song, that may not work, okay? Um, because, again, we're putting, what are we doing? We're putting truth on the lips of these people, and we want these people carrying that with them way beyond a Sunday service. And so let's, let's do songs that are memorable, meaning that it's not just for this context, but they're going to take that lyric out with them, and they're going to let that become part of their personal worship throughout the week. Okay, um, Does it work well corporately? This is all criteria for congregational worship. Um, there are songs that are great for my personal prayer time that I would not do in a corporate meeting. Um, We have to consider whether this is just a song that I should be, you know, singing in my prayer closet, letting the Lord minister to me as an individual. And some songs work both places, but some don't. Some of them don't. Some of it has to do with this singability you know, is it overly complicated, the artistry element, all these things. But some of them, I've just come to the conclusion, some of them are just at a level where I'm not going to do it in the whole room. I'm just going to let this be, you know, a love song to Jesus in my prayer closet, okay? Um, I have to think about stuff like that, too. And then there's context. So Sunday morning is a different context than a prayer night, isn't it? Um, Sunday morning's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because we have people coming in from all different contexts, walks of life. You have unbelievers coming in. And so, um, the way that we do ministry, it's interesting because we, we want to reach those people, right? We really do. We really want to reach those people. But we also want to create a meaningful experience for the believers in the room and i think the church has gotten in trouble in the past when we dumb everything down just to try to win someone from the world when in reality it's the spirit who's going to draw those people not my eloquent words or my you know wonderful presentation right nevertheless we can be just aware let's say it that way we can be aware of who's in the room and there's certain songs that are going to yield uh, better to a prayer night when I know, man, we've got believers in the room. They're full of faith. They're ready to go after it. Tonight's going to be this way. We're going to go deeper, you know. Uh, I'm going to do songs that facilitate that, okay? On a Sunday morning, I'm going to be very prayerful about the songs um, and do songs a lot of times that they, they – they kind of depict the common experience, if I can say it that way, the common experience of mankind, the common experience of all of us who were lost and we needed a savior, you know, those kinds of things. That rallies people. Um, there's more I could say about that, but, but think about that. Even in your playlist, as you're listening to the songs in your playlist, is this a good song for the room or is this a good song for my personal Prayer time, okay? All right, that was a lot. Man, criteria for congregational worship. Here's the second one, criteria for set lists. Set lists. What are set lists? They're all these songs, okay, that we put in a list, and we we flow from one to another to another in a time of corporate worship. Um, Here's where we can get in trouble with this. We can have too many songs, Um, And it's not that you shouldn't have maybe an extra song because what happens, it comes back to what I said earlier. What happens if, you know, the pastor says, hey, we're going to go a little longer. I just really sense that the spirit is not done with what he wanted to do. And so, worship team, I know that you're at the last song on your set. He's not saying this, but you're thinking this. You're at the last song of your set and you just finished that. But you really need to do something additional because we want to take a little bit more time. So it's good to have some things that you can pull out from your back pocket. But, um, but it's a different story if, you know, you only have 15 minutes and you're trying to pack six songs into that. You know what's going to happen? You're going to flood the people and overwhelm them with too, too much information. <laughs> too much information. You can say what you need to say. Um, I, I usually say five to six minutes a song. Now, that's a generality. That's that's not all the time. Um, but ten, I tend to, when I kind of put a list together, I'm thinking in five or six-minute increments. Mm, mm, mm. So I would maybe put three songs together for 15 minutes. Now, you may be different. Um, again, this comes back to context. You may think more in, like, 10-minute increments. Maybe your one song goes 10 minutes. Well, that has a lot to do with the flow of your ministry and kind of how you move through a certain song. Um, But what I wouldn't suggest is putting like six songs in a 15-minute slot because then you're just, you're having to truncate everything. And uh, it's okay sometimes to mash up, you know what that means, you know, like, put a couple songs together. I did that last night, by the way, with Nothing Else and The Heart of Worship. That really felt like one song because it was kind of just together. You can do that stuff, but there's a difference between that and just trying to pack too much in to too little time. Does this make sense? Yeah. Um, Themes. Think, Think thematically. Now, you don't have to you know, be overly concerned. Um, But again, this has to do with context. Some pastors really want their worship leader to know what their message is going to be about on Sunday. And I really want you to pick songs that thematically work with this message of the love of God or the grace of God or whatever it is, you know, that's fine. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, My pastor in Modesto was a little bit more hands-off with that he said hey I just want the people to have a good encounter in the presence of God I want them to have a good worship encounter and uh, you know it it may or may not line up perfectly with what I'm speaking about but what's going to help me most is when I get up here to preach that the, the way has been prepared in worship see that was what was most important to him other leaders you know they'd say They'd be a little bit more concerned with, I, I want thematically all this to fit with my message. I don't think either one is wrong. I just think it's, you know, how we want to do it. That being said, there are things I think you can do within your set itself to bring a little bit of thematic continuity. Um, don't flip-flop all over the place. I can say it that way. I think there are certain things that work well together. There's certain themes that kind of merge well together. And then there's other ones that are like polar opposites. And if you're starting here and then you go over to this theme and then you jump back to this theme and over here to this, um, it's, it's kind of what I call the knee-jerk syndrome, the knee-jerk. We don't want to knee-jerk people all around the place, okay? Um, so what was my theme last night? We started with Raise a Hallelujah and went into Nothing Else with the Heart of Worship. And later we did Refiner with Build My Life. Um, Last night was more, and I knew what I was going to speak about, you know, but last night was more about um, me coming into a place of dependence, a place of surrender. You know, I'm, I'm concerned with... Living my life a certain way that's pleasing before the Lord, you know, holiness, purity, righteousness, all of these things. So if you look at those songs, they have those that common thread. Okay, it wasn't that they all say exactly the same thing, but it was that they were kind of aligned along that line. OK. Appropriate progression or flow. That's a knee-jerk thing, too, <laughs> okay? So what would happen if, uh, let me try to give an example here. What would happen if we started with refiner? Um, I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. How's that song end? You're the fun, I wanna be consumed. We'd probably go back into the chorus. Take whatever you do. Lord, here's my life. Okay, is it possible? It's possible. But you gotta steward that the right way. Otherwise, it's like, whoa, well, what's happening right now? I was just in this moment. <laughs> moment of surrender and intimacy and then now you can do it but a leader has to know how to to bridge that gap you have to bridge that gap you have to connect those two things because otherwise naturally they're they're not they're not connected and then you're just you're jerking people around you know from this intimate place to oh okay time to praise and oh oh okay die back down um, so we have to we have to think about that think about flow okay and I'm going to talk tonight about flowing in the river and this has to do with that um, it's a very practical part of it but nevertheless important okay um, all right so that's roadblock two poor song selection subpoints criteria for congregational worship and criteria for set lists okay everybody good Everybody doing okay? All right. I'm going to try to get through a little bit more here before we take our break. So roadblock number three, here we go. My wife, this is my wife's favorite. Distracting audio visuals. Okay. The blank is hyphenated because audio visuals. Distracting audio visuals. Um, Now, This can have to do with technology, but it doesn't have to do with technology all the time. Uh, Here's an example. Um, The first little sub-point here, the bullet point, is unengaged teams. Unengaged. They're not engaged. Unengaged teams. Um, Unengaged teams can be a big visual distraction. they can be as much of a visual distraction as wrong lyrics on the screen. What do I mean by unengaged teams? I mean that they're not radiating worship. One of the things we're called to do as as lead worshipers is radiate worship. And I always try to get people on the platform that will do that because if they will do that and set an example for the people out here, the people out here are more prone to do it. Otherwise, if, they're not, if we're not radiating worship up here, we can't expect the people to do something that we are not willing to do as leaders. Not just the vocalist, but the band too. Yes, band, I would encourage you, and I know we've got the music stands. Um, you guys use the iPad thing. That's great, you know, because we've all had those experiences where our mind goes blank and it's like, oh, what's that chord? Oh, what's that first line, you know? And so these are all tools that help us, but we don't have to be glued to them. We don't have to be glued to them. See, this comes back to your personal practice. If you're taking time yourself during the week to practice the songs, band member, you're learning those chords, singer, you're learning those parts, you're learning those lyrics. So then when we come together to rehearse, we just fine-tune it and really solidify it. And then in the service, we don't have to be like this. And by the way, oh, I don't know if I can do it with this stand. Um, I'm going to try it. We don't need to do this either. Because the only thing I can see... If I'm a person out there, the only thing I can see is that big fat stand covering you up. So what I would do, and this goes for band as well, you know, I'd, put it, I'd put it down, and I'd even put it kind of like that. You don't have to be like this on top of it, right? Um, the idea is that those are tools to help us, but as much as possible, we need to get out of that and we need to be able to radiate worship, okay? Um, all right. Let's see where I'm at. Do what you're singing. That's, that's another part of this, the unengaged team thing. I said this last night. So um, if we're talking about lifting our hands, and we don't do that. Now, I know musicians, you're playing, so you probably can't do that. Sometimes I will, though. Sometimes, you know, if if I've got a good uh, team of musicians behind me that are covering something, you know, I'll just, I'll take a second to do this, and it just, it shows the people, hey, he's doing what he's singing, yeah? Right, right, exactly. Um, That's another benefit of not just playing and singing all the time. If you're not playing or singing in that certain segment, just worship, okay? Because, again, you're radiating that. Um, Okay, so here's another thing. So unengaged teams, another thing is poor, P-O-O-R, poor aesthetics. That's a big word. Um, What I mean by that is just the visual look of everything, (laughs) the visual look. Um, You can have distractions visually. You can have distractions on the platform. Um, You can have distractions with your lyrics. You can have mistakes in the lyrics. You can have the wrong lyrics up there. You can have a really distracting background. My wife could talk all about this all day um, because this is her world, but... We need to think about those things uh, because, again, they, they can take away from what should be the focus. If all I'm doing is being annoyed by the wrong lyrics or that misspelled word that they keep putting up there on the screen. Now, some people don't care, but I, I do, and there's other people who do. And so these people out here, we want to eliminate every barrier that would keep them from engaging in this worship time, right? Right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's different contexts, okay? If you're doing a special kind of service, special meeting, if it's like a youth or young adult thing, um, you can probably get away with a little bit more flashiness. But um, I just think we've gotten so enamored with all of this technology, it can either serve us well or not. And we really need to let it serve us well, um, because if it's just creating another bell or whistle, but it's taking away from my encounter with the presence of God, I need to think about that. need to think about that. Okay. Um, third thing under distracting audio visuals, bad mix. Bad. It's bad. Um, this is an audio thing, and kind of alluded to this earlier, we need to dial things in um, so that the right things can be heard, Uh, and I understand that a lot of times in our churches, the audio person's a volunteer. Um, Maybe they don't have a lot of background in this. Maybe they're just trying to serve, but I would really, 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 really encourage you to get that person resources that's going to help them learn how to do this and learn how to do it better, because you can be doing everything right up here, but if that engineer doesn't know how to mix it, it still is not going to work, okay? It's not going to translate correctly out here. The other thing I would say too is you know sometimes it's operator error. sometimes it's just bad equipment. So take inventory um, now and then. I-, I walk into so many situations where churches have used this thing for 30 years and they're like, well, you know we just we never really found a need to upgrade or replace, but if it's affecting the overall quality, at a certain point, you really need to evaluate. Maybe you need to just get something that's affordable, but it's it's more up-to-date, and it would help, okay? I'm talking about the sound boards that are 30 years old, and half of the channels have died, and this doesn't work, and that doesn't work, and you just get into issues when that happens, Um, overall, too loud or too soft, talked about that earlier, um, that's a bad mix too. And too loud, like typically decibel levels are like 94 to 98, 92 is a little, yeah, 90, say 92 to 98, you're pushing it with 98, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And you can get those little decibel meter things. They don't cost that much. You can get that on Amazon and you can carry that around the room and you can see what the decibel level is while the team is up here practicing or, you know, whatever. I found that helpful because then when the people do come to me with the the notes in the offering bucket, I say, well, you know, we're running this at natural Levels for an auditorium of this size and this context. (laughs) Yes. Can you tell that my wife is passionate about this area? Okay, um, last little sub point, subpar music, S-U-B-P-A-R, subpar music. Um, We've talked a lot about that, but, you know, don't, uh, you can have the best sound engineer in the world, (laughs) and if the music is just bad, they're not going to be able to make it sound great. See, it goes the other direction, too, and so... We need to make sure that we've done our work, our practice, that our harmonies are correct, that we're not over singing or over playing, you know, um, even over soloizing, you know what that is? That's like you just move off of the melody and you've lost everybody because no one else is singing the melody and we don't know what it is out here. Um, You can't do that too long. You can get away with it for a few seconds but then if you totally just steer away from the melody i've been in situations where the leader never sang the melody ever and i know the songs so i'm i'm standing out here i'm getting ready to speak or something and they're doing the worship and i'm standing out here and i'm just singing it but most of the people aren't because you lost them they they don't they don't they can't readily come up with it without some direction from leadership okay um All right, how are we doing? I think I'm going to go till 1030, if that's okay. I want to get through these final two worship roadblocks. Roadblock number four is wrong personnel, or you can put people in there if you want to. Wrong personnel, wrong people. Got to get the right people in the right seats on the bus. And a lot of times... We have, we we are pastoral in ministry and we love people. Or we should. But one of the ways we, one of the unintended consequences um, is that we just allow a whole lot of stuff that we probably shouldn't allow. Um, And if someone is not, listen, if someone is not gifted in music, um, if there's not evidence, this is how I like to say it. There's always evidence of a call. So if there's not evidence that you've been called to this, then that means, that doesn't mean that you're, you are you know, just discarded. That means that there's something else you're supposed to do. There's something else you're called to. And I want to point you in that direction. But a lot of people, and they've been involved for a lot of years in ministry, and no one has ever told them, you're not called to this. <laughs> they've just... They've just allowed it to happen. So we have to be intentional as leaders to steer unqualified people toward a more suitable area of ministry and get the people in the worship team who are called to the worship team, okay? Um, one of the subpoints here, the first bullet point, undefined standards, standards, it's a roadblock. One of the roadblocks can be that you haven't defined the standards. So you're getting a little of everything because you have not said this is what we're looking for. Um, I would encourage every worship leader to make up a simple job description for a worship team. Simple job description. We do that with everything else. But in the church, we just say, oh, yeah, you want to be involved? Sure. Come on up and we don't don't do our homework, and we don't check things out ahead of time and make sure this is a good fit. Um, The job description would say stuff like, uh, you know, you're saved. (laughs) You have a heart of worship. Um, Your commitment to the ministry is going to look like this. You know, you can outline those things, and you can hand that to anyone who's interested in being involved and right from the beginning, you've set clear guidelines and expectations. So there's no surprises later that, oh, oh you're not saved and you've been playing on our team for a year? Oh, well, sorry. You got to repent right now. No, I mean, you need to handle this stuff before that point, right? And yes, and going back to what I said last night, it's not even just I'm saved, but am I walking with God? Am I walking in integrity? See, you can spell some of this out. And I know that uh, you might have to give a little bit of explanation, but your explanation could be as follows. Platform ministry requires this standard. Right here, let me explain what that is. That means that you know we we avoid the appearance of evil with how we live our lives because we are in a visible place of ministry, and people are looking to us as an example. Um, right, we deal with that a lot. Yeah, so I mean, and and you can fill in the blank. You know, you, you fill in the blank with what that is, but, but it goes back to what I said last night. Without integrity, we're not going to make it. That may last for a season. Your anointing may carry you for a season, but integrity is what you need for the long haul, right? How we live our lives, pleasing before the Lord. Okay, so um, undefined standards. That was the first one. The second one is unhealthy Recruiting, unhealthy recruiting. I kind of touched on this. What do I mean by unhealthy recruiting? I mean, you know, you just go nab the person, you know, out in the, the lobby because you're desperate to have a, you know, another singer on the team and you haven't even checked them out. You, you haven't done your homework. You haven't made sure that this person's right for the position. Um, we need to do that. We also need to have a clear cut goal and make a definite request before the Lord in prayer. Have a clear-cut goal and make a definite request in prayer. So, um, I need a drummer. Okay, well, um, I'm not just going to say, Lord, I need a drummer. I'm going to say, Lord, I need a drummer who's saved, on fire for God, has a heart of worship, is willing to play, you know, X, Y, and Z, because we know that this is going to be some of the songs we play, some of the styles we play in. I'm going to get real specific, and I think God likes that. He likes when we get specific, yeah? How many people here have gone through an audition for a worship team? Yeah. Um, There's always a mix. Some people have never done that because, see, it was always just, if you want to be involved, you just step up there and do that. And that has a lot to do with, you know, philosophy of the ministry and, you know, what, what the pastoral leadership has kind of allowed. But... My experience has been that you can do um, good auditions. You can do really bad ones too, but you can facilitate good auditions. Now, people don't like that word because it sounds like you're auditioning for American Idol, and that's not what we're talking about, okay? We're talking about there's got to be a mechanism. There has to be a a process by which um, someone is grafted in to this ministry. And if we haven't taken the time to walk them through that process and we take all kinds of shortcuts and say, Oh, you look like you'll work, so I'll see you next week up here. Risky. <laughs> it's risky. Even if you've heard from somebody that this is a great musician, you don't know them. You don't know them. And so setting up a simple audition. Interview. You can even call it an interview where you sit down with that person and say, hey, this is the vision of our ministry. This is what we're doing. Here's a job description. This is kind of what the expectation would be. Um, And then, you know, put it in their court to pray about this, think about this, and really count the cost and see if they're ready to step into it rather than just we put the cart before the horse a lot of times and we just throw people up there and they're not ready. Or we haven't checked it out enough um, to make sure that they would work. Okay? Yes. good our connect classes
2: yeah
0: yeah that's good i mean it here's what i would say um it's always better to to wait a little bit on putting someone in there than just rushing the process always i can think back to every situation um, Yes, where it's bit us and it's because I was too impatient. I was too desperate just to get someone in a role, but I really needed to take my time. you know and there's ways that you can um, you can function in the meantime, you know, but just make sure that they're ready uh, to serve in that area. Okay, I want to move on to the fifth roadblock. This is the last one before we break. Week, leadership, weak leadership. So you can have good people, you can have the right people, but if there's no one leading that team, well, can break down. There can be some breakdown, okay? Um, So the first little sub-point here is we need, as leaders, we need to provide good exhortation, exhortation. Provide good exhortation. Um, This this is a couple things. The first thing is just to our team, the team members. A leader needs to be able to lead that team confidently. Um, Come into the rehearsal with a plan and communicate that plan to the team. Um, Encourage the team. Recognize those moments when the team is tired or they're discouraged, or whatever. And then as a leader, we have a responsibility to exhort them, meaning, you know, I'm going to bring encouragement. I want to bring a scripture to you. I want to remind you that God is good, that he is able. You know, it's those kinds of things. That's one side of exhortation. The other side is when we're in the meetings, and we're leading worship. We're leading a song of worship. Did you know that what you say before that song starts In certain interludes of that song and after that song ends, what you say is incredibly important. It's incredibly important. Um, I talk to my students all the time about this and I say, you know, um, if you don't work on your exhortation, you'll just end up saying the same things all the time. How do you work on your exhortation? Get in the word, get in the Psalms hide the psalms in your heart and you'll have a lot of you'll have a lot of tools you have a lot of material to pull from um, when you stand before the people and you're exhorting them to worship also uh, it's helpful in in certain moments and I'll demonstrate this a little later with the team but in certain moments like if you're moving from praise into worship um, it's helpful to just kind of craft a corporate prayer. Father, we thank you for, okay, we're going from freedom into um, king of glory later, okay? So freedom's just ended, you know, it's it's real big. Someone lift up a shout of praise. He's worthy. He's holy. He's able. He's faithful. God, you're, you have done an awesome work even now, Lord. Even now, we sense your presence, and we pray, Lord, that you would come in your glory and your power, and that you would begin to move upon our hearts and our lives as we step deeper into a time of worship. Okay? I don't know how long that was. It probably doesn't have to be too long. But what I've done is I've moved us from high praise, shouting, into, you know, just remembering that he's here and that he wants to draw near and that it's time to press in a little deeper. How did I do that? put that in a prayer, okay? Um, right, right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think with this whole thing, you know, it, It really, you can practice this stuff. You can work on this stuff. You can get more scripture hidden in your heart so that you're able to, you know, pull those scriptures out and those truths out in those moments. Um, But if you don't do it the right way, you know, you rang out that last song or that first song, and then you just don't say a thing. That's what I was going to say. There's two things that can happen. You can just not say anything, and then everyone's looking around like, what's next? What are we doing? You know, and or you can start to tell a story. The next song is about such and such, and it's a song that my grandma loved to sing when she was my age, and we just want to honor her today. But I'm exaggerating, okay? And, okay, here's what that does. That becomes a sermon where there just needs to be an exhortation. That becomes a long discourse. Now, it's not that you can't ever do that. There's some times where you feel impressed. Man, I've really got to share this. Okay, probably talk to your pastor ahead of time, though, and say, hey, this is what's on my heart. This is what God's kind of leading me to do in this moment. So if it's a little longer than my normal exhortation, this is why. Um, because I think sometimes we, we yeah, we tell these stories, and it just, for me, and it could be a personal thing, but it pulls me out of the moment, and then I have to enter that moment all over again when you're done with the story. Um, and so, and again, it's, it's about context. There's a lot of different contexts here, but I... I usually err on the side of keep it brief, but make it intentional. It needs to be intentional. It doesn't need to be the same thing I always say. It needs to be something that's going to move me from here into here. Okay? Does this stuff make sense, you guys? Okay. So provide good exhortation. The next one, I'm going to move quickly through these so we can break. Give clear signals. Give clear signals. Um couple ways you do this. There's hand signals. This is my verse. This is my chorus. This is repeat a thing, like a phrase, you know. Um, there's these universal signals. And even if yours are a little different, you can establish your signals with your team, and then they know where you want to go, okay. Um, and that's leadership. Uh, the other kind of exhortation is verbal exhortation. I can say, I can feed you the next part of the song that we're about to go into. I can sing the first little line or, you know, give you the first little lyric, and you know, oh, we're going to that part of the song, okay? Um, Next point, get and lose control. Get and lose control. That may sound kind of weird to you, but this is what I'm talking about. A leader gives direction. And people like, people are sheep. Sheep need to have a shepherd. Otherwise, they'll just be, they'll go and do whatever they want, okay? We know this stuff. So, as worship leaders, if you are leading out on a song, um, it is very appropriate to call the people into a moment of worship, Um, You don't have to just be so passive that you just let them do whatever they want, because you know what? They'll probably do whatever they want. A lot of times, unapologetically, I say, let's lift our hands all over the room. I actually say that a lot, but I say it a certain way where I don't come across as demanding or I'm not shaming someone if they're not doing it but I'm welcoming you into the opportunity to surrender your all to Jesus right here in this moment. Um, and sometimes that's exhortation too. I'll say, you know what we're doing? If, you know, only half the room does it, I'll say, you know what we're doing? We're just surrendering to our Father. We're, we're yielding our lives to Him and then see a few more hands go up because they're like, oh, that's what we're doing. See, we have the ability as leaders to, To help people Um, and that's that's what I mean by getting control it's not that I'm saying we need to control the spirit and do all that no I'm just saying we need to rally there's a way that we rally people together to accomplish something but then there's always there always has to be a place where we lose control what do I mean by that the Spirit of God is the ultimate worship leader And he's going to take this where he's going to take it. And I'm not going to stand in the way. See, so I assume control as a leader. I give you direction. Here's where we're going, church. We're going to have a deeper time of worship tonight, you know. But then as we get in those moments, I don't need to drive you past a certain point. The Holy Spirit moves in and does his thing. And I just need to back up, back away. I just need to let him do his thing. Okay, so it's that right. Balance between the two and it creates that ebb and flow. Okay, last one face your insecurities. Face your insecurities. Some of this stuff is leadership 101, but we need to be reminded of it. John Maxwell, who is the man, he's like the best at writing stuff on leadership, he says, The greatest mistake we make is living in constant fear that we will make one, a mistake. The greatest mistake we make is living in constant fear that we will make a mistake. Um, We need to remember that God's not given us a spirit of fear, and he's actually called us to become bold as lions. It says that in Proverbs 28. Um, And there is an authority. This is the last thing I want to say. There is an authority that we must contend for as worship leaders. See, I can just sing a song or I can lead with authority. That's two different things. I can just sing a song or I can lead with authority. How do I lead with authority? I know who I am in Christ. I know what I've been called to do. And I step out. Not arrogantly, not in a cocky way, but confidently. I step out with confidence, and I operate in the gift that God has put in me. Okay? Um, This is a big thing because sometimes we we get swallowed up in intimidation, or we're just fearful of what people are going to think, or we're fearful of of how this is really going to pan out. No, this this will help you. Remind yourself daily of who you are and what God's called you to do. He will begin to impress upon your hearts, this is who you are and this is what I've called you to do. And see, then you'll be able to walk in a confidence. But I've seen a lot of situations where um, those who are leading There's a difference between singing and leading. There's a difference between um, facilitating music in a song and, as a worship musician, releasing worship off of your instrument with authority. Okay? Um, And so we have to tap into that. We have to remember who we are and what we're called to do. Okay? Amen. Everyone get all those blanks. Yeah, that's a good point. it's better. Trust me, it's better in those moments. You have to kind of gauge the level of problem that you're facing, but it's better to just stop because that's okay. That just shows the humanity We're people, you know, we don't have to pull off the perfect worship service that's going on in heaven. What we need to do is we need to come into alignment with that and we need to do our best with what God's given. But yeah, um, it, it's it's painful to have to just endure the next five minutes of something that didn't start right. I'd rather just stop and start over, and let's do it right, okay? All right, um, we're going to take a break. It's 1045. Time just flies right by. The rehearsal roadblocks one is not as long, but what I'm going to do, let's take a 10-minute break. Is that Okay. So we'll come back in at 5 till, and um, Lincoln worship team, I want you to just go ahead and come to the platform, and let's start the next segment with you up here, and let's do a little bit of those, both of those songs, Um, and then I'll, I'll, you know, do a little bit with you guys, and then we'll do these rehearsal roadblocks before we're done, okay? Sound good?